Well, you guys, I am uh, really excited to be able to talk with you today and have a conversation with you today. Um, I want to first off start by thanking Craig because he did a great job last week, and it's a perfect segue into what the Holy Spirit's put on my heart today. Um, he uh, he kind of joked that, hey, we had to arm wrestle as far as who was going to get Romans 8.28 because it's both of our favorite verses, but uh, he was actually really gracious, and he said, you know what, I'll just, I'll preach up to 27, and you can take 28 on, and I was like, wow, that's really cool, so, so kudos to Craig for that, too. Um, Romans 8.28 has always been my verse since I was about 15 years old. I had a pastor uh, who did a message on Romans 8.28, and he repeated the the chapter and verse and then quoted it about seven or eight times during the message. And by the time he had finished with that message, it was firmly implanted in my heart. And so it's always been like what I, what I try to operate my life around. Um, before we dive into 828, uh, it starts out with, and we know this. So the and means it's a continuation of a thought. So we're gonna go back to, uh, to verse 25 and read 25 through 28 to understand. But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And I want to stop there. It's really cool that the Holy Spirit, who is inside of us, he knows what we need, even though we don't know what, he, what we need, and he intercedes for us on our behalf to God the Father. So you've always had, have an advocate for you. No matter what you're going through, you have an advocate for you. You don't even know what the future holds, but he does, and he's interceding for us. That's pretty cool. And he who searches the hearts knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know this, that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. And so that's always been a comfort to me. Whatever I'm going through is gonna be for my good. Something better is gonna come out for it. But one of the things that I always tended to stop at was for the good of those who love God. And I never thought about, what about those who are called according to his purpose? What is his purpose? And a lot of times people think, oh, it's, you know, he's got a special purpose for me, he's got a special purpose for you, for you. That's true, but that's not what this is talking about. He's talking about his purpose for believers in general. So if we're called according to his purpose, then we're gonna, all things are gonna work together for our good towards that end, towards that purpose. Um, I like to listen to Graham Cook. Does anybody else here like to listen to Graham Cook? So one of the things that Graham always says is that wherever you are in your life, there's an upgrade on the other side. If you're going through a trial, there's an upgrade, and we should be looking for that upgrade. So if you're going through an illness or a job loss or a stressed relationship or whatever it is, we should be asking, okay, God, I'm through this. I'm going through this, so what's, what's waiting on the other side? What's that upgrade gonna be? And as, as humans, we tend to look um, negatively at a lot of situations. God, why am I in this situation? Am I gonna lose this job? But we don't think about what's gonna happen on the other side, what's gonna be the upgrade? And that should be our mindset when we're going through trials and situations. Um, can we put that picture up there, please? So this is one of my favorite pictures. It reminds me that I shouldn't be letting go, I, I should be letting go of the things that God seems to be pulling away from me because he's probably got something better for me. She said, God, I love it. It's teeny, it's small, it's cool, and it's what she knows, right? But she doesn't know what is the next step. She doesn't see that the, he's got a, free, uh, a huge teddy bear waiting for her instead of the little teeny thing, right? So often that is what happens in our lives too. And I wanna share some examples from my personal life uh, of the upgrade. And 
how God has taught me about the upgrades that come through negative situations or situations that I think are negative. And I want you guys to be keeping in mind this as we go through the rest of this message because I'm gonna ask for some testimonies at the end uh, of times that you've gone through a, tr a trial or a struggle or something like that and God's brought you an upgrade. So my first example is uh, me coming to Colorado. I grew up in Ohio, right? Uh, a lot of people think of flat and cornfields, but I grew up in the eastern half, which is actually the start of Appalachia. It's very rolling and green and hilly, lots of trees, lakes and rivers. Um, it's so rolling and, and heavily forested that Lucretia gets claustrophobic when we go back there because she's like, I can see for 100 miles out here, but uh, there you can't see more than a quarter of a mile. Um, but we took a trip out to Colorado when I was eight years old. And ever since then, I wanted to live in Colorado. I was just enamored by the mountains. And, and uh, we talk about moving to the beach or someplace like that. And I'm like, nope, you knew when you started dating me that I wanted to live in Colorado. <laughs> um, but I love Colorado. It's, a, it's my favorite place in the world. And people say, where do you want to travel? I'm like, throughout Colorado. <laughs> I, I, I don't really care to see much of the rest of the world. I know that's kind of weird, but I, I love Colorado. And I, I was a whitewater raft guide for about five years. I, I love getting into the backcountry and hunting and fishing and all that stuff. I'm, I'm like the Colorado boy, even though I wasn't born here. But it took me until I was uh, 19 to get out here. And so what, uh, the way it leads up to Colorado is when I was in high school, my senior year, uh, I was dating a girl from my church and we both decided, hey, we're gonna go to Grace College, which is a Christian school in Winona Lake, Indiana. Uh, so I'm trading Ohio for Indiana. No, I am in the flat cornfields, right? Um, and the week after we got to Grace, she broke up with me. And so here I am by myself, you know, feeling sad, my heart's breaking, I don't know anybody around, you know, and uh, this is what's on my mind. I'm, you know, 300 miles away from my, my family, five hour drive, and, uh, God had an upgrade for me. He didn't, I didn't know it, but I, st I started dating another girl uh, a couple months later, and she was from Colorado. And our sophomore year, she said, I can't afford to come back to Grace. There's a Christian school out here you ought to look for, and uh, they have a football program. And at the time, it was Colorado Christian College. And so uh, I came out here, and I did some sprints and some squats and some benches, and I sent some films from high school, and I got a scholarship. So I came out here, God brought me to Colorado. Pretty cool. So that's upgrades that I didn't know it was coming and it came. So um, when I got to CCU, there's a big dating theme here, right? When I got to CCU, I dated this girl for about two and a half years. And I started saving up for a wedding ring for her and found out that she was dating one of my friends from the football team. So we broke up. I was heartbroken, I was crushed. I couldn't eat for like three weeks. I mean, I literally, I did not eat for three weeks. And I was uh, managing a landscaping crew at the time. So I would come home and instead of eating, I would pray and I'd read my Bible and I think I crushed through the Old Testament in about three weeks. I was just like, okay, God, I, I need you. You're the one who's gonna sustain me through this. And I didn't know what was gonna happen. And I, I prayed, God, you know, please put us back together or whatever, make reparations. And it almost happened, but it didn't. And God had an awesome upgrade for me and you know her. <laughs> okay, you see? Yep. And it's just, it's amazing to see how God Every time you go through a struggle or a trial, he's got an upgrade for you. Um, when I finally realized going into a situation that God had an upgrade for me and I wasn't worried about what seemed like a negative situation, uh, I had worked for Farmers Insurance for 18 years and I used to manage the west half of the United States for their catastrophe team. So I was on the road about 27 days a month and uh, 
wasn't able to be involved here, didn't see my wife and son. She basically was a single mom, and I'd come home with the honeydew list, and I'm like, but what about personal time? <laughs> and then on the way again, um, and I got tired of that. So I stepped down, and when I stepped down, the only position they had for me was a manager's position in Fort Collins. So for two and a half years, I was hoping something would open up in Denver, but I drove from Highlands Ranch to Fort Collins. And I was like, I'm still not seeing my family. I'm leaving before they're even awake. By the time I come home, they're getting ready for bed. And so I stepped down again and took a position as a claims rep where I started 18 years prior. Uh, now, Farmers was great. They let me keep my salary for all that time, but eventually they said, you know, we're paying you about four times what we'd pay our normal claims rep. We don't need you anymore. So they fired me. And I thought, God, what are you doing? I thought I was going to retire here. Now, this was a job I fell into. I wasn't all that passionate about it. I was good at it, but I didn't like it. Um, I walked out the door. I didn't tell this story last night, but most of you guys know Craig Cutcliffe. Um, I walked out the door, and Craig and I have been friends for a long time, and I said, hey, you know how you're always asking me or saying you'd like me to come work for your company and help you work on a business plan? He's like, yeah, when can you start? I said, how about tomorrow? So I, I walked out of Farmers, and I had a job the very next day because of Craig and because of God. It was a big pay cut. We had to make some sacrifices, but we never missed a mortgage payment. We never missed a bill. God provided for us. So um, a lot of you guys will probably remember Sam Yeseratnam. He was the, uh, the big bass player we had here, phenomenal guy, a big heart. Um, but what I didn't know about Sam was he was the director of operations for iHeartRadio. He actually designed and built the app that is now worldwide famous. Uh, humble guy, but he kept telling me, have you ever considered doing sales? Have you ever considered doing sales? And I said, nope, never. To me, sales was vacuum cleaner sales, you know, door-to-door -door sales, insurance sales, used car sales. Hey, what's it going to take me for to get you in that car today, buddy? You know, and I didn't want any part of that. And he said, no, 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 that's not what it is. It's helping people grow their businesses. And he goes, you're not really selling uh, a product. He goes, you're selling yourself, and you're such a people person. You do great at it. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. So anyhow, he was helping me work on a CD at the time. He's a fantastic producer, too. So uh, go up to his house in Conifer, and we're working on my CD, and he said, bring your resume up. So I brought my resume up on a thumb drive, and uh, we started talking about the, the resume, and he's like, why isn't all this stuff from your, your uh, work history on there? I said, because I haven't looked for a job in 18 years. I didn't, didn't really you know, have a reason to update it. So we started tweaking it, and he goes, now this is what I would want to see if, if I were hiring you. <laughs> so he goes, I want you to go on to the iHeart, at the time it was Clear Channel, uh, go on to the iHeart website, and if there's a position that looks interesting to you, I want you to apply for it and tell me if you do. So I, I scoured it and I looked at it and I liked the senior account executive position, so I uh, applied for it and I told him and he wrote this glowing recommendation letter for me. So got my foot in the door and here I am six and a half years later. I wish I had found this job 25 years ago. It's in the music industry, which if you know me, I love music. <laughs> it's got great benefits. Uh, we work with the Rockies and the Broncos and ski areas, so I get concert tickets and Broncos and Rockies tickets all the time and stuff like that. But I would have stayed with farmers God had to kick me out so I could have this upgrade. Pretty dang cool. Last thing I want to talk to you about, and the most recent, is me actually getting to be your worship pastor here. I tried uh, for a long time. Um, I've been with Jubilee since the church was five weeks old, and I've been involved with worship since the church was six weeks old. Um, and uh, I tried on my own to become the worship pastor, whether it was here, um, Extension Campus. I, uh, I took some... Uh, little sabbaticals and went to the well and alabaster vessels and was the worship pastor there. But my heart was always to be a worship pastor here. And uh, when I was traveling for farmers, I had a dream one night that 
when I got back, Pastor John was gonna ask me to be the worship pastor here. And what's funny about this is this was the setup that looked like in there. And uh, I got back and John asked me, he said, he said, hey, I want you to consider taking the worship pastor position over at Highlands Ranch. And um, I said, yeah, but it never came to fruition. It never happened. It was like me trying to push my way into it and not let God do it. So uh, different circumstances came about. Uh, one of the ladies that was my manager at iHeartRadio was a worship pastor at her church. And she asked me, hey, if you're ever not on over at Jubilee, could you come over and help us at the church? And so I talked to Bob and I talked to Jonathan and they're like, yeah, why not? Well, after being there for a few months, Lucretia and I started developing relationships over there and, and I asked Bob and Jonathan if I could be excused to go over to, um, what was it called, Solid Life. So we were at Solid Life for about two and a half years and they were meeting in uh, Rocky Heights Middle School and um, the, the school came to us and said, hey, we just put new carpet in and um, we don't want the wear and tear that you guys are bringing in on that carpet and we're not gonna renew your lease and by the way, your lease is up in two weeks. So we tried to meet in the pastor's house for a long time but they really didn't have anything for our son Xander and we wanted a youth group where he could plug in with other believers and um, we had three different couples that didn't know each other tell us if you're looking for a fantastic youth group, go over to Valley View. So we went to Valley View. He plugged in right away, we got plugged in in worship. Um, the worship pastor there at the time was a guy named Kelvin, super talented guy, great guy, but the biggest servant I've ever met. He, uh, he, he hardly ever sang. He always asked me or a lady named Susanna Kelly to sing. And so it was either the two of us that were leading worship, he, he would put the song services together. Um, we loved him dearly. And his, his wife is super talented on keys and his daughters are all talented. Um, but the pastor over there, the senior pastor retired and we hired a new pastor. And the first thing this pastor does when he gets there is he fires like four of the pastors. One of the pastors he fired was the senior high pastor and then he fired the children's pastor. So the middle school pastor was the one who was in charge of all the kids from, from infants to seniors in high school. And uh, we were like, this, this isn't gonna work for us. <laughs> so um, about that time, Bob had posted about the uh, uh, Mountain Child missions trip to Nepal. He said, hey, we, we have an emergency opening. If anybody's interested, ping me on it. So I pinged him on it and I said, hey, I'm interested. So about a week later, we sat down at the corner bakery here at Lucent and Highlands Ranch. And uh, he said, I hope I'm not wasting your time, but uh, Mountain Child filled that position. He goes, but I wanna tell you about what we're gonna do at the Highlands Ranch campus. And so he kind of poured his heart out to me about, we wanna do uh, you know, times of testimony, we wanna do extended worship, we wanna do you know, healing prayer nights and things like that. And my heart was like leaping inside of me. I mean, I felt like my eyes were bubbling up, you know? And I, I couldn't wait to go home and tell Lucretia. Instead of going to work, I came home and told Lucretia, and she's like, yeah, I knew that already. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, we gotta go, we gotta go. So January 6th, we launched Discover Community Church, and we're here. And um, uh, Lucretia and Xander and I are in the car on the way home, and she's like, what do you think? I said, I think this is it. And uh, she said, well, let's go one more week, make sure. And uh, we went the following week, and, and same conversation. Xander's like, I love it there. We got to stay there. And I'm like, me too. And she was like, me too. So here we are. So I didn't ever intend to get involved in worship when I came back, or I was done with it, because I felt like I had tried so hard to do it, and it just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't in the cards. So I just sat, and I said, I'm going to get involved in the men's ministry. I'm not going to play. And then Jonathan kept prodding me. When are you going to start playing? When are you going to start playing? And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to be obedient to God. I'm just going to sit and rest right now. 
And he kept asking me, I said, look, if you need me, you can put me on rotation, you know, once a month or something. And next thing I know, I'm on every other week, <laughs> right? So uh, about a month after that, he makes the announcement that they're going to the Philippines to be missionaries. And I turned to Lucretia, we were sitting right back there, and I said, I wonder if this is why we're here. And here we are. So, but it, it, it took me laying that down. It took me not trying to press into it myself, but to let God do it and let, allow the Holy Spirit to do it in Bob and Gabe, in Lauren, and in me. But again, it's the upgrade. There's always an upgrade, and if you think there's a negative situation you're walking through, there's always an upgrade on the other side. Um, while I was doing my devotions on Tuesday, God downloaded a word for me. And then he said, this is for you, but it's not just for you, it's also for the congregation. So I want to read this to you and listen to it. This is God talking to you. I love you. I want you to understand how much I love you and I'm for you. I have only good things for you. My favor and my blessings for you are not merit-based. I don't withhold things from you to be punitive. My favor is not conditional. My favor is because of who I am, not because of who you are or what you've done, what you're doing now or what you might do in the future. I never change. I am always the same. I am for you and never against you. I have storehouses of blessings that I am pouring out over you. Not will pour them out, but am pouring them out right now. It's like the rain. You can choose to let it run down the streets and into the gutter and into the sewers and just waste that water. Or you can harvest the rain, collect it, and use it to do good. But it's up to you to receive my blessing. I hope that speaks to you. So the big question and the part we tend to downplay again is God's purpose. What is God's purpose? To be conformed more and more to Christ's likeness. That is God's purpose for every believer. So remember that Paul is writing this, this passage to Roman believers, people who have already accepted Jesus. Uh, when we read verses 29 and 30, we need to keep this in mind because they explain that. Verses 29 and 30 say for, for which means because, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. God foreknows his own people. He knows us. He foreknew us. In the sense that he chooses us and loves us and cares for us. Long ago, he predestined, which means that having chosen you for his own and set his love on you and cared for you before you ever existed, he decided what would become of you. You would be conformed to the image of his son, and that is the purpose to which we're called. David says in Psalm 139, 13 to 17, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comprehend, how vast their sum is. When you think about the fact that God knew us before we were born, before the joke, we were at a trinkle in our dad's eyes. You know, he knew us. He knew every hair in your head, he knew every freckle on your skin, every sin you'd ever do, 
but he still has a plan for you. And he knew what you were going to go through and he knew he had upgrades for you and blessings for you. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, this is the message version, helps clarify that. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Again, it's predestined. God knows what he's gonna do. He, he knew from the beginning of time. He's omniscient, he's omnipresent, all-knowing, always there. He has a plan for you, and that plan cannot be thwarted. Um, the message version has a website, and they send out a, a bi-weekly, it's twice a week. I can never remember if it's bi-weekly or semi-weekly. Uh, so twice a week, they send out a, a little devotion. I thought I was done with this message on Monday. On Tuesday, I got that word for you, you guys. And on Wednesday, I got this. It says, I have a plan for you, a plan that was written into your life record before you were ever born. It is a plan to bring you to my heart and into my fullness. I am the God who created you and formed you in your mother's womb. My gaze was set upon you before your eyes were ever opened. My plan for you will succeed and you will one day say, Abba, you do all things well. God just keeps reinforcing for me as I'm preparing this message. This is my heart for my people. This is what I want you to tell them. So predestined means to decide or ordain ahead of time what destiny you will have. The reason this verse puts such a massive foundation on the premise of Romans 8.28 is that those who love God and are called according to his purpose are destined to be like Jesus, destined to be conformed to the image of Christ. All things work together for your good because you were chosen, you were loved before you ever existed. And the way his choice and love expresses itself is in calling you to unspeakable great future to be like Christ. All things work for your good because all things work to make you like Jesus. For this you were loved and for this you're predestined. A lot of people think that you know, predestined is talking about your salvation. Oh, you know, we're as believers, we're predestined. God knew that we were gonna be predestined, we were gonna be uh, followers of Jesus before we were born. But that's not what this is talking about. Again, I wanna remind you that he's writing to Romans who are already Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers here. There's no argument about predestination um, because God doesn't choose who accepts him and who doesn't accept him. He wants everybody to come to him. This is talking about believers already. The verses reveal our past, our present, and our future. Before the foundation of the world, God planned our collective salvation. He foreknew and predestined us to salvation. That's the past. Now, he is working to conform us to the image of Jesus. So that's the now. In the future, we will be glorified fully conformed to Christ, who will be preeminent over all. The entire process of conforming to Christ comes from God. If his sovereign purpose for the glory and supremacy of Jesus Christ is certain, then our future glory with Christ is also certain. We should take good comfort in that. Paul's purpose in writing these deep truths to the Romans is pastoral and practical. He didn't write about predestination to start arguments and debates like we talked about. He wrote these things to comfort believers in Rome who were either facing current persecution or probably were gonna be facing persecution in the very near future. They, like us, also had plenty of other trials in their lives that could have caused them to stumble if they hadn't handled them with God's perspective. So Paul wants us to know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. And again, that's being transformed to Christ's likeness. Verses 31 through 37. 
What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That statement right there should give you great hope and great peace in whatever situation you're going for. If God, who holds the span of the universe in his hands, is for us, who can be against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. So again, he's all powerful. He loves us. He sent his son for us. He's the one who justifies us. Who can bring an accusation against us? I get the, this little picture of you know, God being this big and, and Satan being this big going, oh, look at look what they did. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's a joke. He's like a little imp, right? <laughs> Go away from me. Um, because God is the one who justifies us. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and inter- intercedes for us. So if Jesus is the one who can judge us, but he sits at the right hand of the Father pleading for us, interceding for us, we don't have a thing to worry about. That's comforting. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody. Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, or in today's world you might say gun or government? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. See, God sent Jesus to die for us, and Jesus did so with nothing but us on his mind. Who can judge us? Only Jesus. He sits at God's right hand pleading for God, for us to God on our behalf. Both God and Jesus are for us. I always heard the, uh, the example of Jesus has us in his hands, right? And God the Father has Jesus in his hands. So we're doubly secure. That's a good promise too. Paul assumes that we will face trials in life. Thankfully, most of us won't face trials like he listed above, famine and persecution and sword and those kind of things. But still, Paul reminds us that none of these things can come against us or God's ultimate will for us to be made like Christ. We are more than victorious through him who loved us. Victorious in what? Becoming like Christ. For I am persuaded that not even death or life or angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I remind you again, he's writing to Roman believers here. 38 and 39 dispel the myth that we can lose our salvation. If you have Christ in your heart and you've asked Jesus into your heart, you cannot lose your salvation because of that whole double grasp. Paul covers all bases when he says, or any other created thing. We are created things. Therefore, even we cannot separate ourselves from God's love in Jesus. You may try to run from him, but if you've asked him into your heart, he's always there. He does not leave you, he does not forsake you. And because we are eternally secured through Jesus, we are continually being made more and more like Christ throughout our lives. Uh, I wanna invite the worship team up. I wanna ask you um, at this time, who has some testimony about going through a trial and having an upgrade on the other side?
You sure that? Yeah. Um, I lived in uh, Aspen for 14 years, and it was a glorious place to live, but it was expensive. So when I finally ran out of money, um, I ran to Denver crying and, Lord, why? How could you do this? But this is the reason why. <laughs> and we've been married 28 years and um, have a daughter that came from Kazakhstan. So we saw God at action there. Not that. <laughs> okay, I'll have a different story to this because all through high school, through college, Never really dated much. I was pretty pretty awkward. Um, came out here, pretty much the same thing. I just got more and more frustrated. Um, you know, at one point I had Anne sort of uh, bird dogging. She was supposed to be out there trying to find me a wife. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, and I, I was seeing God as the father who always says no. And finally, I gave up on my dream of having a family and children because she couldn't have children, and we got together. So what does God do? He says it's around the world for a child. So that's cool. That's good. Anybody else? Bear? 11 years ago, I was living on the street in Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, homeless and 45 below zero is no fun. Um, but it was after my divorce, I left Colorado and I said, I got to go far away. And I had nothing. Um, I'd lost everything. So I ended up in a small town, Fargo, and uh, had no job, nothing to go uh, take care of me, no person around me that could help me. And I met a brother in Christ. And... Uh, he said, you know, uh, you got some skills and I'd like to see if you could use those skills in construction to help me with my basement. So I started working on his basement and from the ground up, I began to get job after job after job. And eventually the weird thing is my pastor from a church I grew up in here in Denver called me in Fargo, North Dakota and asked me if I would be interested in interviewing for a job in Denver. I had never planned on coming back to Denver ever and I said, okay, but I don't have any money. Uh, so if you could fly me down, I'll, I'll come and interview. So they gathered the money together and they flew me down and I got a job, um, which brought me back here, which brought me to my high school buddy that uh, I never planned on dating Brenda. Uh, my entire life of knowing her, she was the good girl and I was not a good guy. And uh, so I had kind of avoided her, but found out through the course of talking that uh, she kind of liked me. And uh, we became friends for a long time online and then eventually I asked her, I said, why are we not dating? I mean, we get along so well, we have so much in common. And we've been married now for eight years and it's, she's the highlight of my life. So I just wanted to say that God can restore anything. Thank you. Thanks, man. Does anybody else have some testimony? We do this because the word says that we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This is encouraging to me. I hope it's encouraging to you because if you're walking through a trial or a tribulation or something in your life, there's an upgrade on the other side and all these stories prove that. 
I'm going to tell the short version so I don't get too emotional, but um, we have an awesome three-year-old, Caleb, who you guys um, got to see on the video last weekend. And then we decided we wanted to expand our family. So in July, we found out we were pregnant and we're excited for our first um, ultrasound. And unfortunately, that was... Um, uh, there was no heartbeat at that ultrasound in August. And so we were just devastated. Um, and then went through some um, trials through that process. And then just last month, we had an ultrasound for our most recent pregnancy and God upgraded us to twins. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. All this stuff helps you praise God and worship God and thank God. We had a um, testimony over here. Um, it's kind of funny because some of what your stories already have resonate with me. But um, I also lived in Aspen and that was kind of like the epitome of like my little paradise, the outdoors. But um, I got married and divorced. And after that, um, I decided that... Lord, you know, I guess marriage is not for me. I'll come up to Denver, and I'll go to the YWAM base, and I'll, uh, I'll uh, go out in the mission fields. I'll, I'll go to YWAM, then to Hawaii, do the mercy ships. I had a great plan. <laughs> and, uh, and little did I know that God had an upgrade for me in Denver. He kind of detoured me and had me work in a church in Denver. And I was, you know, he pulled on my heart to work as a youth leader. And really, the furthest thing from my mind was, uh, I just thought, I thought I was unmarriageable. I thought I'd never have a home. And I thought I'd never have kids. But I was okay. I was going to just do, do unto the Lord. And uh, so, obviously, <laughs> 20 years later, it's like God brought, God, I mean, not later, but God brought uh, Steve into my life and three kids. And, and uh, <laughs> That's me again. You are always going into a trial, through a trial, or just came out of a trial. But you always walk in God's blessing. Just remember that. So there's three ways that you can respond to a message like this. First and foremost, if you don't know Jesus, you're missing out. Ask him in. That's the number one way to respond. And we have the prayer team in the back. They'd love to pray with you. If you want to come see me or Pastor Bob afterwards, we'd love to pray with you for anything. But specifically right now, if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to share Jesus with you and, and talk to you about what he's done in our lives. Second way, if you're living in, in a, such a manner right now that does not reflect Christ, if there's something in your life that's keeping you from becoming more like Christ, confess it. Give it up to God. Say, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. I don't want to do what it is, whatever it is I'm doing. You can... You can pin it to the cross during our communion time. Uh, you can just do it at your seat. You can pray with one of the prayer team members. Um, but if there's something that's keeping you from being like Christ, confess that and move, move past that because God's ultimate goal for you is to be like Christ. Christ is perfect. Who doesn't want to be perfect, right? That's the ultimate goal. The last way is to thank God and worship Him. Worship Him with joy and gladness because you have Jesus in your heart and because the ultimate goal is that we are going to be like Jesus. That's a promise from God. We are going to be like Jesus. And all things that we walk through during our life are for that end. 
So we're going to move into communion time right now. And uh, there's a couple different ways you can respond during communion. We have uh, juice and uh, regular bread or gluten-free crackers at either the crosses or Lucretia and I will be serving communion over here. Um, So we invite you to do that.
i 